and a chance to change a life through Send Relief Backpacks of Hope. Hey folks, I just want to say we have love, love, love being with you guys. I hope you've had a wonderful week and I hope that you are excited to be able to go and take what you've learned this week uh, as you go back home and make a difference in your community. I want to invite you to turn to one of my favorite passages of the scriptures uh, in Matthew chapter 28 uh, just for a few minutes this morning as we get ready to send off. Um, it was an incredible night last night. Uh, the Lord continues to do stuff. He's got more stuff in store for us even yet today. But I want you really quick, if you are near a uh, volunteer, a chaperone, a pastor who brought you and you are sitting next to them, I think they deserve a big bear hug right now wherever they are. So give them some love. Give them some love. Tell them we love you so much. I meant, I meant to say this earlier, only give hugs if you took a shower today. My bad. Should have said that earlier. Hey, um, really quick, so if you got your Bibles, you got open up to Matthew chapter 28, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Um, so one of the things that I know uh, that is so exciting about camp is that once again, we have all these wonderful moments, all these moments like this morning and last night, we get so excited about Jesus. And some of you right now, are, is anybody a little bit tad, either sad or anxious about going home? Raise your hand. Okay. So for some of you, you're thinking, man, can't we just stay here at camp? I'll really do better if someone's got the Bible ready for me in the morning, tell me to do a quiet time. We get to wake up with... Big Bear and other stuff like that, and we get to sing songs, and we get to go and do things together, and the answer is yes, but here's where it is, folks. The difference is if you are someone who's going to be discipled is the type of person that, here's the deal, you will be different this time next year if you come to camp. Here's what we don't want, you to be in the same spiritual place this time next year. We don't want this to be one mountaintop experience, go down in the valley and go back to a mountaintop experience. We want this week to be a catalyst rather than a monument. Monument's something that you put down and you say, wow, wasn't that great? I wish I could go back there again. A catalyst is something that propels you forward to something else. And so one of the things that I, I really felt burdened is I've been praying for you for months now, uh, not knowing many of you uh, or anything and, and just getting to know you. I've been praying is like, how can I help equip you for it? And, uh, and so I, I put together a couple of resources that might help. Um, one of the things is if you don't have a Bible reading plan, uh, I put together a Bible reading plan. It's sort of what we went through last night looking through the scriptures all together. I have a 100-day Bible reading plan that maybe some of you, if you don't have one, this could be one that you go home, as well as there's a podcast that went up this morning that I put out every week, but that speaks specifically to this camp about, hey, how do you grow once you get home, okay? So if you go to that um, site there on uh, my blog there and slash Fuge, and then there's other ways to connect there, but I've got a, a bunch of resources on how to survive life after camp, and that's specifically for you guys to help you grow once you leave home. Does that make sense? So I want to make sure this is just not, once again, a monument, but this is a catalyst. And so hopefully those things will be uh, a help to you, a resource to you, uh, even if, you're, if you aren't sleeping on the way home, right? <laughs> Which I know, hopefully drivers, that will not be you, all right? Um, so when I was a college student, I went to North Greenville University and loved my time there. When I was a sophomore, um, I was just really growing in my faith. The, the year before was the first time I really ever read through the Bible, and I was growing so much in my faith. 
beyond anything that I ever thought I could. Uh, and my sophomore year, there was this kid that came up to me. He was a freshman, and, and he, his name was Pepe. And uh, Pepe came up to me, and he said, um, Travis, I, I'm, a, I'm a freshman here, and, and I'm watching the way that you, you live, the way that you walk, and I just have a question for you. Would you disciple me? And I said, yeah. And I had no idea what that meant, okay? He just came up to me, and he said, I see certain things in your life I, I want to kind of imitate there, and would you disciple me? And I said, sure, let's, let's meet on Thursday morning. Uh, we'll get breakfast around, I don't know, 7 o'clock, and let's just meet in the cafeteria, and we'll just get started. And guys, I had no idea what in the world I was doing. I just knew that God's command was that we should make disciples, that we should live lives of, of making others disciples. And I didn't know, no one had really ever intentionally done this for me, but I just started reading the scripture and I started walking through uh, with Pepe, walking through all the different things in his own life. And this is the, the reason that this is important for us to think through this morning, is that if we're going to really sort of land this plane of the whole restored theme is this, our restored strategy must involve a lifelong pursuit of discipleship. Any type of pursuit, any type of thing that happens here is something called discipleship. And discipleship means this. It means that you continue to grow. So for some of you this week, you received the gospel for the first time. And we celebrate that. You mean there's a party in heaven? Amen. We are just so, so thankful. And there was a party in your church group and in your Bible study groups when you told people, those who came up and told me, you know, I gave you a big bear hug and hopefully you recovered from it, right? I'm so wonderfully excited about that. But let me tell you something. Salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line. And this is what this means. If for so much of my life I just thought about, okay, if we can just get that person saved, whoo, we don't have to worry about them going to hell. We can just sort of catch our collective breath. But here's the deal. Jesus told us to make disciples. So we've got to really understand what that means. And so for you right now, your goal when you go home is this. You don't even recognize yourself. If you come to camp next summer, you barely even recognize your spiritual self because over the next 365 days, you grow so much. That's the goal. That's the goal. And so the camp doesn't turn into this life support for your spiritual walk. It just continues to push you forward because you're just walking with Jesus. Wouldn't this be great? I mean, let's just be honest. How many of you, you remember first night, you were excited to be away from mom and dad and you were excited that you just could sort of eat whatever you wanted to eat and there's a lot of loud music and a lot of exciting stuff. And yet some of you, your, your spiritual like intentions like weren't that warm but around night two and night three and then last night, you're like, oh man, I'm there. What if you walk with Jesus so closely all year round that this time, if you came to camp next year, night one, you're ready to go because you're just walking with him. And so as we followed in the time that, I, that I've been able to teach from God's word and just following different moments in the life of Jesus, I want to get to this moment right after his resurrection, uh, right where he gives the great commission to his disciples and realize this, he is just appeared to all of his disciples, flesh and blood. They can see him, they can touch him, they are hearing from him. And look what happens in Matthew 28, verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Stop. How many disciples were there supposed to be? 12 disciples, and yet one of them drifted away. His name was Judas. I just want you to remember something. Jesus Christ had 12 people that he poured his life into for three years, and one of them didn't make it. Church leaders, don't put more pressure on yourself than what you need to. There are some people who are going to walk away. Folks, I love you, but I just realized this. Some of you know this also mentality. Some of you went to church camp last year with somebody who's not walking with Jesus this year, are they? 
Some of you used to have that person in the youth group that you looked up to. Maybe you had that family member you looked up to and you were just looking at them and going, oh man, that's it. That's who I want to be like. And they're not there anymore. There's a lot of people who at some point walk away from Jesus. And yet there's still 11 that are remaining there. But this is what's amazing. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Okay, now, just think about that for a second. Jesus Christ, they have seen him die a horrific death on the cross. They have taken him down off that cross. They have put him in a tomb. Then all of a sudden, he was no longer in the tomb. He is standing there in front of them. They can touch him. He's eating stuff, and it's not dropping to the ground, right? It's not a hallucination. It's not a ghost. And some of them are worshiping, and some of them are going, I don't know. Ah, maybe. Maybe that's him. I don't know. Maybe it's a lookalike. And I'm going, some of you are doubting? Are you kidding me? Like, how in the world can you doubt? He's right there. Can I tell you, folks, friends, let me just tell you something. Even if you have doubts, there's a lot of godly people that have doubts. In fact, you look at some of the people in the Bible, like David, and he says, how long, O Lord, until you're going to show up and do something? Jeremiah goes, sometimes I want to quit, God. John the Baptist, who cleared the path for the Lord, at one point said, are you sure you're the Messiah, or should we be waiting for somebody else? You have doubts? You're, you're in a good company here. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Take your doubts to Jesus and not away from him. He is fine to be able to handle any skepticism you have. Come to him with your questions. So while they're, they're sitting there, they're doubting, and then this is what he does in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make what? Disciples, students, learners, people who are growing. Go therefore and make disciples of how many nations does he say? All the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And all of a sudden, he ascends into the sky. Acts chapter 1 tells us sort of the, the rest of this story where he tells them to wait for the Holy Spirit to come down upon them. And he lifts up before their eyes, literally just sort of like starts ascending into the skies. And all the disciples just do this. Whoa. And they just stare there for a while. Did you see that? That was awesome. <laughs> and they just keep staring. So they stared for so long that it was kind of a, a moment in heaven where you just imagine, Jesus gets into heaven, the angels are rejoicing, you beat sin, you beat death, you beat hell, that's awesome. Now what are you going to do? Well, I told the disciples to go make, you know, the disciples of all nations. Oh, that's awesome. Let's look down and see what they're doing. Hey, look at that. Do you think he's going to come back down from that spot? It got so long that God decided to send some angels down. So can you just imagine, these angels come down, and they see these disciples going, Shazam. You know, they're still staring, still staring. And the angels look at them, look up at the sky, look at them, look up at the sky, look around. Hey, fellas, <laughs> um, you, you saw how he went up, right? Yeah, we saw that. Did you see that? Yeah, we, we saw it. But look, when he comes down, you're not going to have to be staring at the sky to know what happens. Trust us. You'll know. Go and do what he's asked. So they got on their knees, and they began to pray. Days later, the Holy Spirit came and empowered them for this mission. And he said very simply, Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Nation of the United States, but also the nations on the other side of the world. 
God is so great and so glorious, every nation needs to worship him. So we want to go with our lives. We want to use our money, our time, our finances, our vacation time, whatever we can to send that message out to the nations. Some of you have felt a calling to go, and you don't know where. That's all right, because I know that the guide is trustworthy. And he's saying, come here this little bit. How many of you right now, you feel a pull? Even some of your staff members this week, who are incredible, by the way, even some of your staff members are sitting in this place and they feel like, God, I know you're calling me to something, but I'm not sure exactly what it is. And I tell every staff member, every adult, every student here, if God Almighty literally came to you today and said, would you like to know the 15-year plan I have for your life? Here it is. Now, some of you are like, please tell me you've got that in the back somewhere, right? Here is where you'll live. Here's who you'll be married to. And here's the kind of job you'll be going, blah, blah, blah. You'd be like, please give me that letter. You know what happened? If God gave you this letter, you know what you would stop doing? You'd stop seeking him. You'd stop praying. You'd stop studying the word. You would be dependent on this and not on him. And here's what Psalm 119, 105 says. Your word is a what? Lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It does not say it's a flood lamp for the next mile. So it's this picture, as we go and make disciples of all nations, this is the picture, right? That we're saying, God, I want to see what's down there after I finish college. God, I want to see what's down there after I finish high school. Who am I with? What am I doing? And God said, if I showed you that, you would stop seeking this word. Here's what this word does for you. Uh, I only haven't seen enough light for the next step. Exactly. It's a dangerous spot over here, pothole over there. I guess I'll take this step. And then when you get to that step, it becomes a little bit clearer. You need to depend on him for every little bit. That's why we're called to make disciples. We're growing. We're learning. We're not giving up on it. And here's the most beautiful thing that I think about what Jesus said. When he said to his disciples, started with Peter and James and John and all these guys over in Jerusalem. He says, go therefore and make disciples. Church, I want to make sure you understand this today. We are called to make disciples, not converts. And there's a huge huge difference whether you are on staff here whether you are a volunteer whether you are a chaperone a pastor or a student we are called to make disciples and not converts and what this means is this you are called to grow in your faith fuge i am thankful for many of you who have received the gospel and you have been converted and you are now a christian praise God for that. We've been praying for that. We've been longing to see that. But now the fun's just getting started. You grow. It's this process called sanctification. You're becoming more and more like him. Why in the world would you want to be here next year and look the same way spiritually? We want to see you grow. That's why I want to give you a Bible reading plan. That's why we want to help equip you. That's why your youth pastors are wanting to disciple you throughout the year. We want you to grow. And so he says, go therefore and he make, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, look at this, to observe all that I have commanded you. You know what that word observe means? It kind of means apply or do. He did not say, teach them to memorize all that I said. Teach them to study all that I said. He said, teach them to do it. That's discipleship. So, so for those of you this week that you have made a profession of faith, or maybe you made a profession of faith five years ago, you, you decided, I'm professing that I belong to Jesus Christ. Here's the difference that we have got to realize as believers. If there is a true profession of faith, there should be a true progression of faith. If you have made that profession at some point in your life where you say, I belong to Jesus, throughout the span of your life, you should be progressing to look more like him. 
Will you be perfect in this life? No, you will not. But you should be making progress. You should be putting down some of the sins that so easily beset you. You should be starting putting up some spiritual disciplines that you always hear that your mentors have, but you've never done. You should start to grow. And so the beauty of this is, the reason why I want to even give you resources today on this morning as you go home is because I want you to understand this simple truth. If you feel like your life has been changed this week, guaranteed who's not responsible? Not me. Not the band. Not any person on staff, how great they are. If your life has truly been changed, it's none other than God Almighty has done that work. And guess what? He lives where you're going. He's with you every step of the way. He promised, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You do not get to take your Bible study leader back home with you. Sorry. Even if you tried and you cleared out your suitcase, and some of them are very, very small, and you can stiff them in. Okay, right? Even if that you'd like to, they're not going with you. We're not going to be here tomorrow doing mega relay. We're not going to be here doing this. But can I tell you, all of those things that God used to make an impact in your life, God used. And he is with you. And so the difference is this, you can progress in your own faith. And so, folks, growing in Christ will not happen by accident. What is your plan? If growing in Christ will not happen by accident, my question for you this morning is this, what is your plan? Who do you need to be around? What do you need to be doing? What do you need to stop doing? Because guarantee what I don't want is you to have this spiritual high and then all of a sudden you go back home and get right back in the same things. What's your plan? Can I just tell you that some of your plans need to be this. If you're going to make disciples who make disciples and you're going to continue to become a disciple, you better make sure that the people that you're closest to are also other disciples who are wanting to grow. Because some of you know the danger of some of the closest of your friends, your boyfriends or girlfriends back home waiting for you that are waiting to water down what God's done in your life. Can I just say be really, really careful that if you feel like you're always having to pull somebody up and you go, yeah, but aren't we supposed to be a missionary? How's it working for you? You said that you think that your boyfriend or your girlfriend was going to start loving God because you loved him. Is that working yet? Are they dragging you down and, and continually getting into some of the stuff you don't want? You say you're not going to get into anymore. I'll tell you, last summer, uh, I was supposed to preach at North Greenville Fuge on this week. The week before I was there, um, there was a camp pastor who had a death in his family, like one of the last days of camp. And I had to come to camp on the last night because just I'm close to North Greenville somewhat close and they said can you jump in on the last night of camp and just preach and I said sure I'll do that I didn't know anybody they didn't know me I was like I got 40 minutes just to give everything that I got okay and, I, and so I, I just give everything that I got and, and after after the invitation this kid comes running up to me he's about 17 years old he literally just sobbing and I said hey man what's up and he just grabs me bear hugs me and I said hey man what, what, what's the deal and he said he said you were at a camp, you preached at a camp two years ago, and on that last morning of camp, you told me to be careful about the friends that we have and the relationships that we have, and that day, I knew in my heart I needed to go home and dump my girlfriend because she was not helping me love Jesus anymore. And he said, I went home, and I had every intention to do that because I thought she was going to bring me closer to Jesus, but she kept bringing me further away and tempting me and doing all kinds of things, and I could not get on the same spiritual page, and so I just knew it. I was going to break up with her. And I said, awesome. Well, what happened? He goes, I stayed with her. Oh, well, good. How'd, how'd that go? And he said, three months ago, I finally ended the relationship. 
And he said, it has been 21 months of me continuing to be watered down trying to follow Jesus for 21 months. And I finally remember what you said. And I said, I've got to make sure that the people closest to me are helping me grow in Christ. And I just decided I was going to do it. And I ended that. And he said, and I prayed literally last week. I wish there was an opportunity for me to hear that guy again just so I could see him and say thank you. And he said, I just need to say thank you. As we embraced, I just want to tell you guys, don't waste 21 months of your life. Don't waste two years, two days on people who are trying to pull you in a different direction where Jesus is trying to take you. Run from them. Flee from them. Break up with them. Tell them Uncle Trav told you you had to, okay? Whatever you've got to do, you can blame me. They can contact me. I'm just saying this. You make sure that if you're going to grow, you better be surrounded with some people that are on this row around you that love Jesus. And if they don't love Jesus passionately, if they've been distracting you all week long, just sort of keep them at arm's distance but make sure that your internal posse there is making sure that you're growing in Christ. It is so important for you. If you're going to disciple, if you're going to grow in Christ, you better be surrounded with other people. And so Jesus commissions these 11 guys and says, boys, stick together. It's going to be hard. People are dropping like flies. My question for you is, what's your plan? You know what you're going to read for quiet time tomorrow? You're going to be at church on Sunday morning? You got some friends you're going to keep accountable? Little Pepe, y'all remember Little Pepe? We started that Thursday morning. Y'all disciple you. What are we gonna do? I don't know. Tell me where you're struggling right now. Well, I'm struggling this then. Well, we're gonna attack that. Are you reading the Bible? Nope. All right, well, let's start here. And we just started going. We just started walking through. I had no idea what I was doing, no idea whatsoever. But for a couple of years, we just met every Thursday morning and I would just pour everything that I had, which was this much, but I gave everything that I had to him. You know what happened was last year, um, Pepe called me. I hadn't talked to him in 10 years. He said, hey, I'm coming through your town. Can we get lunch? I said, sure. He said, hey. Um, and I thought, no lie, I thought, you know what Pepe's probably going to say to me? Hey, remember that time you asked, I asked you to disciple me? Yeah, you did a horrible job, and my life has been ruined ever since. I don't know why. That's what I felt like he was going to say. And, and Pepe came up to me, and he said, Travis, he goes, here's a picture of my wife. Here's our two kids, and we're ready to go on the mission field right now. We're about to move over there, and we're going to give our lives to an unreached people group. And he said, and I would not be there without you. I thought, Pepe, I didn't do anything. He said, you did enough. And I'm here to tell you right here, right now, upperclassmen, adults, even middle schoolers right here, there are people that are looking up to you. Use your life. Take what you've learned this week. Do not put it in a little bottle and put it aside. Give it to someone else. So, Father, I just pray these dear friends of mine, these brothers and sisters, this family of mine, we have a restored life because of what you've done, Jesus. We have an opportunity to follow you, and you've called us to make disciples. And so, God Almighty, we are asking you to do an amazing work. I pray that the coming days and coming weeks and coming months of our lives will be so incredibly spiritually enriching that the days, even at camp, will almost dull in comparison because we realize you're still growing us. You're still uh, causing us to be more like you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray, and all God's people said, all right, let's give Pastor Travis a big round of applause and a thank you. Thank you for bringing the word this week. We appreciate it. All right, so has it been a good week? 
So we want to celebrate with you. And so I ask if you have accepted Christ this week for the first time, or if you rededicated your life, if you accepted the call to missions, if you experienced life change this week, would you please stand up so that we can celebrate with you? We are so excited for you guys. And if you are sitting there and you haven't made that decision to accept Christ yet, it is not too late. You don't have to wait until next summer. You don't need uh, a cool band. You don't need an awesome pastor. You don't need a staff. You can still do that today. So get with your group leaders. If that's a decision that you haven't made yet, talk to them about it. Meet with them. They would love to speak with you about it. All right, so I have some very valuable information I would like to share with you all. A secret, some would say. I know. I really do want to tell you guys. So I know the theme for 2020, and I have a teaser video. Yeah. Do you guys want to see this video? Okay. That was good. All right. So go ahead and watch the screens for your 2020 theme. All right, let's all stand up and sing one more time together. Future staff, join me up here on the stage. 